All right, welcome back. We are unpacking Nassim Nicholas Taleb's ideas, especially from his book, Anti-Fragile, and applying them to education, learning, and careers. So back with Luke. Probably should have started with this, Luke, but it's the core of the book, Anti-Fragile, right? Although we did talk about this mm. in episode 145 of With Joe Weeby. So I don't know if we need to, I don't know if yeah, we need to fully re-go over it, but I'll, I'll go back over the whole distinction and what this term anti-fragile actually means is that Taleb talks about three levels of how we respond to like volatility and stress, right? like being challenged. So this is an example of an old um, myth of Democles, Damocles, I think. He's, he's the fragile one. He's a guy eating a meal and there's a, there's a sword that's dangling above his head being t- held by a thin hair. So anything that damages the hair is like likely to really damage his life. So he's in a very fragile situation. So if something, something slightest thing can kind of end everything for him. Phoenix is, is, represents level two, which is like being robust. Because whenever a phoenix dies, it arises again from the ashes. So phoenix doesn't care about stress, stresses. They can't really harm him. And then the third level is the hydra, which is actually the anti-fragile. So that's the old mythological creature that when you cut off one head two grow back so it actually gets stronger the more you challenge it and that is what Taleb calls anti-fragile and yes we've talked about that on the podcast before but what I think I want to discuss today there's a point we didn't talk about last time Luke which Taleb makes in the book that he doesn't think there's a similar word to anti-fragile in the English language. Hmm. And why I think that's important, I think words symbolize, obviously, narratives we have. I think we create words because we needed them to express a concept. The example I give of that is in Nepal, which is a, a culture I've had some exposure to that's very different to Australian culture. There was no real word for time. Right? And it was reflected in the way they bloody behaved, let me tell you, because they were always late. Whenever you had a meeting, they would come two hours later. You would emphasize it, emphasize it, but it just meant nothing to them. Like punctuality meant nothing to them. And it reflected their way of life, which was much more relaxed than our kind of hustle and bustle Western culture. But obviously also on a broader level, the country is way less capitalistic, right? It's way less developed. They take longer to build things and... You know, they take their time, but it reflects the culture. So they haven't really developed as much of a use of the concept of time as we have in the West, right? In the West, to make things go at the pace they go and develop things fast, you need to know what the deadlines are. You need to denominate that in terms of years and months. You need to know what time we're meeting. It goes in the calendar. You're locked in. So we have much more need for the use of time. Anyway, that's a roundabout way of saying Taleb thinks the word is absent. I think that the symbolism of the word being absent means we haven't embedded what I think is a very important concept into our lives. At this moment, I want to pause to see what you think, Luke. Do you think that the concept of anti-fragility, which is getting stronger when we're challenged, is well embedded into probably like our culture and our lives? Just on the spot? No, not not particularly. I mean... For the most, for the most part, I don't. I haven't really thought about it in that sort of frame until until reading about until reading about that concept. It is new. I mean, it shows whenever it is, new. Yeah. it is new. Like for example, when you think about 
stressing yep. stressing the body you know that you have to you know that you have to do certain things to you know for example get in a better state of fitness but there's no real word that i've thought about other than improving exactly. i think that is for like example. so well said i know you i know you're just like on the spot but i think I'm like no, exactly. trying to come up with something, but, I, I but yeah, improving like or what it, what concepts there are that exist in your bank, for example, because it's a good gauge growth, well, growth right? for but example. they're not specific but enough, right? Not through the process of stress. Exactly. Yeah, it's just getting better. It's not specific. which is non-specific. Yeah, and what what I think this means. So let me break it down on another level, and this is what I kind of in the in the blog post, which which will be at the bottom in the show notes. I thought about, okay, one, on one level, it's the systems level. We don't have that ability to cultivate it in society right now. I do not see that. Right? And when, when people think, what does that mean? The next level down I thought about it was, what are the common reasons you normally hear from people as to why they're not going to do something? Something that's normally creates, to use your language there, Luke, something that does create growth and improvement in their quality of life and their experiences. What are the reasons you, you, you do here, right? They have excuses and reasons. For It's too hard. I didn't get in. I was knocked back. I thought of the example of an actor, right? An actor that can't just deal with the, re- like fair enough, but can't deal with the rejection of going to audition after audition and not getting a role, right? But obviously with the concept of anti-fragility, this could be repurposed, right? From rejection to feedback. It's probably the same thing you had if you didn't get a sale. Like the feedback of, from an audition of why you didn't get the part, like to the, to the extent you're able to elicit it and find, out, find that out, right? Is additional information for you to improve and iterate on, right? In the same way, like in a startup, you go through different versions of a product. You're always iterating. You're not trying to make it perfect at the start. You're trying to learn. And if you have that posture of going into an audition actually to learn what you need to know rather than trying to study acting precisely through reading books for two years, we actually go to auditions and just get scrappy in the process and figure out, all right, what do I actually need to know? Then each set what would have traditionally been thought of as a setback and rejection would actually be anti-fragile, would actually be continually making you stronger and better if you were able to kind of repurpose and recode what that experience means to you. And I try to apply that to my projects, for example, because I, I try and take the posture of treating a business project, something that's normally called a business project, as a learning experience of which a byproduct of it can often be money or other forms of kind of success or other rewards, right? Like status, recognition, all that sort of stuff. But if I approach it as uh, like, oh, am I going to succeed? Am I going to do something where I succeed? Rather than this is part of my overall journey to improve. It it places way more pressure and and it kind of leads me to being a bit more fragile. Like if I, if it doesn't work out, this will break me. Whereas I'm here to learn. I'll learn through trying things is much more anti-fragile. And you'll actually go on a continually climbing steps of improvement the more you have that mindset. So that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest way to apply it. So the key, the key for you, Joe, 
or the key takeaway or variable in this is the mindset. Oh, I think so. Because you can turn... I think so. Yeah. But there's another level, which is like invest, don't invest in fragile things, but invest in robust and anti-fragile things. So think about Zoom. <laughs> Zoom gets stronger the more COVID there is. Right, the more lockdowns, the more new new variants. Right, Zoom's share price I think skyrocketed. I think Amazon's did too. And there's a bunch of companies on the anti-fragile side of COVID. There's a bunch of companies on the fragile side. Right now, but it also probably depends on how they react. Like restaurants and cafes, on average, much more on the fragile side of things. All right, the worse COVID gets, kind of they're very vulnerable. Right, but. Also, you can choose to respond and iterate. And you might, and I think I saw some very creative things from retail businesses, right? With like ordering online and, you know, selling different types of products and being anti fragile and finding actually a new reason to innovate. In the same way that war actually tends to make countries' economies stronger in the long run. So that's interesting. But also, yeah, you want to invest, like Jeff Bezos said quite famously, people are never going to want slower, poorer service. They'll never get tired of cheaper prices. And Amazon's built on those things because those things are never going to change. And so there are a set of like fundamental things that you can be factoring into what you do and your projects that are anti-fragile. Because when you take anything self-directed on, whether inside a company or, or in starting a different company, I don't think it actually matters. If they are more anti-fragile, it suits, it suits the volatility of what you're going into. If it's more fragile, then no wonder why you don't want to go near any risk. <laughs> but you actually grow more. Like you, you tend to, as long as you have the right mindset, you tend to actually grow more from the challenges and the negative, the so-called negative experiences. Does that make sense? And do you apply that? That makes that sense, your, yeah. Like how can that... How's that relevant to you? Like in, in what you do? I think sales is a good example. Sales is a good example. Exercise and running and fitness is a, is a really good example because you're actually, the goal is to, the goal with that is to actually stress the body in an intelligent way. So the body adapts to stimulus and you, you kind of have to gradually, gradually increase that stimulus so that the body reacts and then comes back stronger so that's a clear that's a clear-cut example perfect. for me perfect and that's why i just you imply that and anything you're doing you can apply the metaphor of running to it i think i think that. but taleb always says i think i was reading it's also anti-fragility is applicable to a certain point there's there's like a there's a parameter Obviously, if you overstress, it's going to be counterintuitive. I'm not sure if Yeah, it's like we, the muscle um, metaphor. Like if you start off with 500 pounds or 500 kilos, you'll probably snap. But if you gradually build up, you can get to yep. a very, you know, you can eventually build up to 300 or 200 or something, but only if you gradually build up to it. But if you try to take it on at once. So you, you have to, there's an optimal point and you can't break that. Like also, you don't want to break someone's confidence early. I think in sport, they don't want to give a yeah. young person a debut too early in a like high stress, like a cup final or something, because it could like destroy their entire confidence. But you do want to give, it's that concept of reach. Like you want to give someone something that yeah. is just a little bit out of reach for them, just a bit beyond what they're capable of, actually, not, not something that they can easily do because that it optimizes for short term performance, but it creates something lacking in long term growth. 
I think it also applies to some form of adversity that you experience in exactly. your life as well, depending on the frame of depending on exactly. the frame of reference. 